Dr. Amalia Gonyas-Malka, welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today is Ms. Nontumbo Vuyo Veronica Mente, who is the National Chairperson of the Economic Freedom Fighters and a Member of Parliament. She serves as the Party Whip, as well as on the Standing Committee of the Auditor General and the Standing Committee of Public Accounts. She joins us in our series covering perspectives from women across different political parties in the country. Welcome to the show, Ms. Mente. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate you having me in the show. To begin with, as a member of parliament, please tell us what are some of your core responsibilities? Uh, Thank you very much, Amelia. Um, As a member of parliament, as you've said, there's a variety of issues you you one can say we are jack of all trades because as a member of parliament you know that parliament's primary function is to deal with legislation but uh, it's most important to note that the lives of our people and their well-being is monitored is implemented is crafted and the laws that guide our well-being are done by parliament and therefore it means that service delivery and everything else that comes with the well-being of our people uh, as well as the country's uh, finances how we budget how we deliver services how we build relations as a country with the continent, with the globe, it all all depends on parliament. Therefore, parliament has got quite a variety of responsibilities. And as a parliamentarian, I'm responsible to ensure that all those responsibilities are achieved. And with you talking about those responsibilities, I think that as citizens, we don't necessarily know what all of those responsibilities are. We just we live in our in our world and um, have a view that we pay our taxes, we make our contributions and have a, a vision that all of these services that we pay for are going to be provided. And I see with some of the elements that you're saying that these are some of the responsibilities that as, as parliament, you ensure that we have those services as citizens and that we can enjoy the freedoms and the rights that are written into our constitution. Uh, that That's correct. If we can uh, unpack it and perhaps make an example, um, let's say, for instance, healthcare. Healthcare is under a department of health. And a department of health is a department that accounts to parliament. 
Parliament therefore then ensures that there is budget available through the Treasury. It ensures that it passes that budget, but at the very same time, through a portfolio committee which will be monitoring and responsible to ensure that all those services go to the people through the oversight, will then recommend what budget should be allocated but it will first make sure that what are the key performance areas that the department itself will focus on in terms of ensuring that the people's lives are taken care of through the health system building of clinics all equipment every human resource that's required will then be tabled through the portfolio committee and that portfolio committee will then see that according to this population we need so much uh, nurses, so much doctors, so much um, medicine, and this is a, 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 the capacity of a clinic or a day hospital or a hospital that's required in this particular area. And therefore, this costs so much, and we shall pass that budget through Parliament, and therefore, then people must have uh, their services through that process. But then Parliament, if it fails, to oversee that budget and ensure that all those services are delivered correctly to the people where we'll then find ourselves in a situation like we are in today, where there's a malfunctioning of clinics, there's a malfunctioning of day hospitals and hospitals in South Africa, simply because oversight is not done correctly and the supervision thereof from the administration side under the minister is also not done properly. And listening to what you're saying, I think that the value of having a multi-party democracy, particularly when we've got different members represented in various portfolio committees, it stops this effect of being both player and referee and allows for greater accountability to take place because you've got those different political parties represented. And whilst we're on this point of political parties, the EFF is a relatively young party. You were only formally established in 2013. But within this new party, you occupy the role of national chairperson. Please tell us about your journey into politics. Yeah, oh, wow. Um, it's quite a long journey. It started a very long time ago. Um, from the time I was in school, I would say in high school, when there were challenges, I would be very much vocal. Um, not actually knowing that I was vocal at some point, I had to be cautioned by my fellow students, hey, you are going to fail if you talk this much. But then it gave me a platform when I was in matric, uh, knowing very well that then I don't depend on my teachers to mark my final exam paper so I can be as vocal as possible. I can uh, bring about consciousness to students and ensure that all the ill treatment and anything else that is not supposed to be within the premises of a school is not welcome. And from there on, it, it just uh, continued when I first uh, worked uh, in my first working place. I became a shop steward. Even there, it was quite a short space of time when workers said, okay, we think you can just uh, lead us. 
And from being a shop steward and then um, I did a lot of other things in labor. So it's been political because being a shop steward then enrolling into labor advice offices dealing with issues of of CCMA, they're quite political. They are not necessarily workers' issues because workers' issues, by the way, they, they are centered in the political space and all the decisions that are taken by politicians. And therefore, the one can never, ever miss to be active in the, in the space of politics. And from there, it's just history. And in terms of the party currently, we do know that some parties have instituted quota numbers to look at the representation of men versus women. What would you say is the composition in the party currently of women to men? Oh, you'll be surprised. You know, one thing about the EFF and how it deals with empowering uh, women, especially into acknowledging the fact that the world will never be a better world without the mothers and the women of, 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 of this world. The EFF is the only political party at this stage that carries 65% plus of public representatives. When I say public representatives, I mean like uh, at the council level where we have councillors and at uh, legislatures, provincial legislatures, as well as national parliament. So if you go to every sphere of government and you find a representation of, of, of EFF councillors, and members of legislatures or members of parliament, you will always find more than 60% at every sphere of women that are there. And even in its own leadership in terms of organizational structures, there is no structure of the EFF that is elected. It's in the constitution, it's in the guidelines, it's everywhere. Anything that you do in the EFF, we call it a zebra stripe. If you start with a male, it's followed by a, followed by a woman. And in fact, in our constitution, it clearly says every structure of this organization and every election or nomination of whatever is required to be a representation of the EFF in any space is always a zebra stripe. It can never be anything less than 50%. If anything, it should be a 51% plus, which is any number of women than it is for men. So it, we are in a space where women empowerment and acknowledgement of women is very much um, acknowledged and it's appreciated. And we are not just here simply because we are women, we are leaders, we are acknowledged, we are appreciated, and we do our part. Thank you for elaborating on the structure. And we can see that really echoed very clearly at the top when we look at the six leadership positions, which are 50-50 male-female split. I wanted to ask you more about your role as national chairperson. Please tell us, what does this entail? Uh, thank you very much. Um, being a national chairperson, in, 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 it, it's a portfolio 
It's uh, firstly, it's in the top six, which we would call office bearers of the organization, which we deal with the day to day of the organization and ensuring that the organization has a life and ensuring that everything that the EFF has to deliver is delivered. So the constitution on its own um, prescribes what each position is responsible for. And the responsibility of chairperson, amongst other things, is that of, uh, besides chairing every meeting of the organization and every event of the organization, I'm responsible for international relations and I'm responsible for uh, the monitoring of, of how the country is working in terms of the internal affairs, like your home affairs. Uh, do we have proper migration laws in place? Are we taking care of migration in the country the way, best way it has to be? You know that the EFF stands in terms of a one Africa, one voice. I'm responsible to ensure that that one Africa, one voice is carried out. And I'm also dealing with matters of women um, with the, 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 the office of the DSG. And, and on the side of parliament, I'm also a whip, which uh, I've been uh, designated to be a whip by the organization. But organizationally, then I'm also responsible to oversee certain provinces where I must make sure that the work of the organization is carried out properly. My goodness, what a portfolio. I'm surprised you managed to find time to squeeze us into your diary for this conversation. You must be busy 24-7. Yeah, that's quite correct. And I was worried if I was going to make time to, to, to be speaking to you because I was just in class until exactly three o'clock. So um, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, I'm an aunt. Uh, besides all these things, but yeah, one has to find time to do everything else that they have to do, especially that of servicing our people. I, I'm very much um, sensitive to issues of women and they are very close to my heart. So um, every and everything that I do, I make sure that I have time. So when I also received your call, uh, uh, being called by a woman who's interested in knowing how do we as EFF uh, deal with issues of women and seeing if EFF is one of those political parties who embrace women and acknowledge them in a space where patriarchy is really uh, a, a torn issue and, and, and where women are not necessarily acknowledged in action, but I, I acknowledge by words, by other people, and many people will speak about issues of women, but not action them as we do. So I always make sure that I have time to encourage other women that do not give up. But at, at, at the very same time, you have to fight for your space. So every time I, I can get an opportunity to say that, I, 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 I appreciate it and I welcome it. Ms. Mentor, you wear many, many hats and we've touched on, on a few of those now. 
you're so right. Often we have these conversations and we, we, we almost feel like there's just rhetoric in place. So given your experiences, realistically, what, what do you think we can do to make life better for women? Firstly, it, it has to be, it has to come natural. The first thing that, um, let me first focus on the government and how it should be dealing with women. Government as 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 a sphere of of uh, of life, it has to ensure that it stops talking about issues of women as if there are things that will pass. It has to stop thinking that women are some objects you can bribe by a day of saying it's a day of women today and therefore let's respect women but making sure that you deliver for them with the with with all these things that are happening with the high gpv that's out there with the high cases of of children missing of children being abused of children being ill-treated with the high unemployment of women with the lack of empowerment for women, even when they are trying, all those things, they they come about when the government cares for women. We find women more especially, I'll make an example with rural and township women. They have stock fails. They, 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 it's, it's, it's a sign that they can gather, they can come up with an idea, but they just need a backup. Only if we can get a government who cares enough to support women, who cares enough to ensure that even if we do not create a space where there is enough jobs from the government side, women in South Africa, I just read yesterday, uh, one author who wrote about um, women in general when we speak about global economy, that women actually are contributing more than 75% into the economy. And therefore, if women can be supported by each government when they are dealing with their cooperatives, can be financed, can be upskilled, can be taken to school, can their education be taken care of, and their well-being as well, because they bear children, they have to give birth in, 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 in proper environments and conducive environments for themselves. That requires government to create a space that is conducive for women, both financially, both socially, in every aspect, and ensure that they get everything that they need. Even the GPV we're talking about today, it's an it's a thorny issue, and it's an issue that government has to really, really respect the rights of women. If you don't have enough police, you don't have enough laboratories, you do not have enough manpower in those laboratories. Today, you take swabs of um, DNA of uh, of three suspects of rape, but that case will only be resolved in three years' time because of the backlog that's in laboratories. Today, a woman is still giving birth on their way to hospital. Today, you call a hospital, there's still no ambulance to pick up women. You call a police station, there are not enough vans 
to come and rescue you. So all of those things, if you have a caring government, that's how you deal with issues of women. But women empowerment as well depend on ourselves as leaders. We need, even if it's one woman at a time, you, you have to take each other by hand, teach each other the ropes, and, and encourage each other on how to live and all the ways of life, even if it's short courses that you can point directions to, you can create workshops as women to ensure that women are, ca- are getting skills, they're getting information, anything else that you can do, but even if it's one person at a time. Your views within the leadership space, hearing your, your narrative and, and the, the cases and the examples that you've highlighted, you seem to have a very nourishing approach to, to women in terms of bringing them on board by, by showing them, by educating them, by being very inclusive. On the other hand, though, how can we get more women into leadership roles? Because then you're not just because then you're competing against men. So in your views, what can we do to encourage women to move up the leadership ranks? It just like I said, it needs a space where women are respected. One, in all political parties, if all political parties will respect women, and not the matter of 50-50 should not be a matter of the constitution that the equality of women and men is just is stipulated in the constitution, but it's not in practice. We should discourage that. In fact, even it should be legislated and the IEC should not allow any political party that sends representative to any a government space where women are not equal to men. That then means you put what you say, practice what you preach. Secondly, in our space, in our communities, it's up to us leaders to teach the male uh, counterparts that we lead with. If we don't teach them how to respect women, if we don't enforce the women representation as this generation which is here today, it's not going to happen for our children, it's not going to happen for the next generation. It's very much fortunate that uh, in the EFF we are led by a leader who respects women because he ensures that no woman is left outside. Wish that all leaders in every space, even if they are male, even if they are females, they should respect women. They should ensure that everything they do is a 50-50, not just a 50-50 of, 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 of when they need labor, but when it has to reap fruits, it has to be 50-50 as well. So that of implementing women, eh, 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 equality and also empowering women depends on all of us in the society. However, women that are in leadership position currently 
should be the ones that are fighting so that the next generation, when it comes in, it shouldn't come in with a fear that we have never seen anyone fighting for us. So we are submissive to men. Therefore, this is our position. This is our space. This is where we belong. We belong in the kitchen because I've never seen anyone fighting for us before. Because courage comes from mentorship. If there is anyone you've seen doing something, it's easy for you to do it. It's easy for me to be a fighter and make sure that I fight for the next generation of women to occupy the space, to be in leadership, because I have seen it with Mama Winnie. I've been introduced to Mama Winnie. I've seen how she fights for women. And therefore, for me, is that I cannot fail her. I cannot fail the history of Mama Charlotte McClake. I cannot fail the history of all the women heroines that were before me. So we must also not give up. Leadership uh, 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 is not a male-created space. In fact, women lead from home, from your own household. Your men, even if they have to go to work, but they, when they come back, they do not know where the basin is. They do not know where the spoon is. They do not know where sugar <laughs> is. You, you are the one who always, but the sugar is on the top shelf. The spoon is on the drawer. The cup is in the top shelf. We lead by nature, but we are always thinking that simply because we were told our place is in the kitchen, but we have to unlearn that and make sure that the next generation practices what we preach as South Africans, that we are 50-50, and therefore every space that's out there is also a place that we must go and dominate it. Ms. Mentor, you have raised some very strong points there. And when I think about some of the elements that you've said, that it's not just about waiting for things to be given to us. It is about going out and striving for them. You also spoke about some of our strong former female leaders and using their them as, as, as memory and, and legacy to move ahead. So in line with that thinking, what would you like your legacy to be? Yo, my... The way I would like first my legacy to be interpreted is that I did not fail our children and the women of this country. Even if we get to a point where I do not achieve everything, but I have to ensure that governance-wise, I have pushed that government to respect the right of women, have enough police to make sure that they guard women, they save them from the gender-based violence. You lock away any perpetrator that's identified. You have enough resources to, for safety of women. There is enough safe homes to keep women when they cannot be safe in their own homes because of the monsters we live with. There is a legislation that talks to the safety of women and providing guidance and ensuring that the environment we are in is conducive for women to live in. There is a government that can support women both uh, financially and support women emotionally and support women socially. 
I'm a big fan of rural areas. I would love to see every woman in the rural area having an experience of how to live better as a woman and not that you only have to be submissive to a man, but that you are a leader in your own right and you can provide for your own family. You can respect each other and coexist without violence. You can be a woman who has it all without having to migrate to the urban areas. That is a great vision of opportunities and being able to live to your full potential without any restraints. Hi, this is Lyra, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, and democracy. Today, we're talking to Ms. Intombo Vuyo Veronica Mente, who is the National Chairperson of the Economic Freedom Fighters and a Member of Parliament, as well as Party Whip. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Ms. Mente, we're going into the last section of the program today, and this turns towards more of a personal perspective. One question that I ask all my guests on the show is about some of the factors that they consider have contributed to their success, whether it is hard work, perseverance. I remember um, Rebecca Molope, one of hers was the fear of failure. In your opinion, please, can you tell us what are some of the key drivers to your success? You know, sometimes when you look back in in your life and trying to see how did I get here, you tend to find so many elements and factors that come into your life. The first thing and the main thing that molded me to be the person that I am today was my grandmother from the paternal side. Um, I'm the first born at home and You know how growing up in the rural areas, um, our fathers are working in the mines. You see them once a year, or if you're lucky enough, you see them twice a year because we we grow up in a Christian family. So my father would come back during Easter and be home for Christmas as well. So all the time when my mother was giving birth to my siblings, I was with my grandmother. And my grandmother was a fierce feminist. She was quite a fierce feminist. Thinking about it today, I'm like, oh, so those things she was doing, she was trying to show me that I can live my life without having to be dependent on anyone and no one owes me anything. That's one thing I've learned in life, Amelia, that no one owes you anything. Go out and get everything you need for yourself. So my grandmother being fierce as she was, we didn't have a grandfather when I was growing up. He had already passed on, but I had a father. My father was away, but my grandmother carried the household like we had everything. 
if my uncles and my uh, other grandfathers who were the brothers to my grandfather, she would tell she would tell us that I'm the elder here. When you are dishing, the first bowl comes to me. I'm the household owner. Everyone else then gets things after me because this thing of submissiveness starts by not even respecting yourself, undermining yourself, you end up being undermined by other people. She was a, a matriarch, a clear example of leadership to inform you and, and nurture you on, on your way. Absolutely. She, 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 she was like a fierce feminist. She would be like, I'm a woman, but no man comes into my house and tell me that because they are brothers to my husband, when we're dishing the, the first plate goes to them. It doesn't work that way. I'm here. I'm the owner. I'm the one who's farming here in this land. I'm the one who's planting the garden with my grandchildren. And therefore, I'm the one who should reap the rewards. You come here. You are a visitor. Just uh, behave like a visitor. And that I nurtured it. And that's how I was, I was raised. So throughout, I always remember that. So when I was introduced into the space of politics mainstream, without me not knowing beginning when I was vocal, being a student, was vocal, being a shop steward for a long time. And when I started main politics, I realized if you're sitting and you don't go for what you want, and you don't go and protect other people having the courage and the consciousness to go for whatever you want, you will never get anything right. I think some of the words that are going to stay with me today is the phrase, no one owes you anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. That that I live with throughout my life. And every time I want to give up, I'm like, you give up and who's going to come and rescue you? When you are giving up, who's going to come and rescue you? It's just like when people give up on voting. Instead of not voting, because your vote is your voice, who is then going to come and rescue you when you give up on voting. Go and choose another person if you are not satisfied with the person that leads you at that moment. Go and choose another person. Go and choose another party. Go and read about other people. Listen to the news, even if it's on your radio. Watch the news and see how the country is turning out. But no one is going to rescue you if you are not rescuing yourself. And by that, I have managed to be who I am today and I have managed to be where I am today because I understand in life, yes, there are those people who are not privileged enough. I didn't, I didn't grow up with privilege myself. I was born in the rural areas. Yes, I would not lie and say I went to bed on a hungry stomach because my grandmother could provide everything. She was a farmer in her own right. I took after her. I, I farmed myself. And she, she, she would have all that those heads of cattle would take them to the treatment, the deep treatment, and all those things. But I realized today that if 
that's not the way of life, then what? Who's going to come and help you if you can't help yourself? But at the very same time, acknowledging the fact that there are those that feel like I, I have thrown in the towel, I don't know what to do anymore, but you cannot throw the towel if you have children because your children tomorrow are going to be out there and saying our parent failed us. And the next generation, if you have a way of saving them, save your people because we grow up with the love of everyone. You grow up in a big society where you are not raised only by your parents or by your household. You are raised by the whole village. And therefore, a mother next door is your mother and the father next door is your father. You cannot then give up. Think about your father next door. If you give up, you can save the next door. You can save your village. You can save the society and you can save the whole world. Ms. Mentor, thank you very much for joining us today. It has been such an interesting conversation. You are very passionate about what you do. You are very vocal and a fighter for women's rights and civil rights, not just within our country, but also into the continent. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you very much. I, I'm very pleased to have been here today. I hope we'll speak again very soon. And thank you very much to the listeners. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Ms. Intombovuyo Veronica Mente, who is the national chairperson of the Economic Freedom Fighters and Member of Parliament and Party Whip.